New Mishnah. Yeah, we left off a couple of lines into the Aflamadalf. People were getting beaten with hammers for not having Kavana. The Mishnah brings in a new theme. Somebody is davening Farun Ahmed. He is davening up front. Fita makes a mistake. Now, something very key to understand in, in these sugyas, particularly in the Mishnahis, is that Sidurim did not yet exist. So when a person who davened for, a person who led the tibur in davening, a shliach tibur, meant that he was somebody who, had, who was fairly learned and had the tefillahs memorized. He had them memorized, and particularly he had them memorized in their proper order. But as we all know, sometimes it happens that you blank out. And then you just blanked out. What are you supposed to do? So what happens if you're leading the tefillahs and you blank out? So... It seems like, it, what, for some reason, it seems like it wasn't on the table to just, you know, have someone from the crowd say, you know, say Talmater, and, and, and then, you know, and then you'd figure it out and keep on going. It seems like we're talking about a scenario where the person is confused enough that he really can't keep going. He simply, he's, he said the brachas out of order, something of that sort. So what we do is, we put up a replacement, says the Mishnah, and you shouldn't be a sarvan, you shouldn't be a refuser at that time. The implication, of course, is generally speaking, when asked to lead the davening, you should refuse. You should refuse. We'll see how, just how much you should refuse. You should at least at first refuse. And, but in this scenario where it's kind of an urgent thing, right, so uh, we, we need to quickly replace him. We're in the middle of the Chazar Sashats or something. So, we... Um, we just hurry on up, and we don't engage in the whole kind of ceremony of refusing. From where does he start? You just pick it up from the bracha, the beginning of the bracha, where this fellow made a mistake. So now, what is that? What exactly does that mean? So Rashi explains that ta'a means, in this case, that he, um, that he, he skipped one of the brachas, and he said another one, in its place, bracha number. He should have said Hashiva Shefteinu, and he skips Hashiva Shefteinu. He says the next bracha instead. So we got to take it back to Hashiva Shefteinu because that's where we left off. Really, that's where that's where things went off the rails. So that is the correct place to start from. If you take a look at Rashi for a second, Maschelas Habracha. Excuse me, she says, I am like achas min habrachas. So we skipped one of the brachas va'amr acheres and recited a different one. Ve'eni yedei aloshuv le'echay sidre. This is the, like the phenomenon we're describing. He can't get his head straight. He's he's totally stuck. It sounds like he just can't get it. Again, I don't know. For some reason, just reminder, just reminding him a little correction that wasn't helping. He couldn't. He just he couldn't pull himself together. He's very distracted now. He's probably getting a little. As the pressure increases, it's getting harder for him to remember. Okay, we say, don't worry, we're going to put up a different guy. You go outside and have a cigarette and calm down. So, um, that's what you do. You pick it up from there and continue. So, that's the procedure.
Now, a second halacha. Nothing to do with making mistakes. Somebody, well, a lot to, it has to do with making mistakes, but nothing to do with uh, being replaced as a Baltfilah. He shouldn't answer Amen after the Kainim. When you are davening for the Amen, the Kainim are blessing the congregation. You don't answer Amen to their brachas. Again, you're trying to remember in your head the order of the tefillahs. You don't want to get confused. And the concern is that if you give an amen each time, you're going to, by having the kavana, which is necessary to respond amen, you are going to get confused and recite the wrong pasuk or something like that. If there's no other kayin, he shouldn't actually uh, do, he shouldn't duchen. He shouldn't bless the congregation. Well, again, because he's going to lose his train of thought, and he's going to have trouble getting back into the Chazorah Sashat. Again, it sounds very strange, but it probably would make a lot more sense to us if we did not live in this age of plentiful Siddur. And if he is certain, if he has no doubt that he has the ability to uh, do Nesias Kapayim to Duchin to bless the congregation and return directly to his tefillah if he knows that he's just that good at remembering his place he has the Seder HaTfilah memorized that well so then Rashai he is permitted okay the Gemara says Tan Rabbanan when you are asked to Davin for the Amid you're supposed to refuse and if you don't refuse, you're like a tavshil shame by melach. You're like a dish, an unsalted dish. You came a little too fast. You're improperly seasoned. And if, on the other hand, right, you absolutely refuse to come, right, you just fold your arms and say no, 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 no. So, excuse me, the You become like a tavshil which is oversalted. Which is ruined because it's been salted so much. Literally, it means that it has been burnt with salt. So what's the correct, what's the golden mean? What's the correct thing to do? What you should do is, Pamri Shenyasari. The first time you should re, you should refuse. The second time you already start. The word hivhov really means like uh, singeing. Um, in this case, what it means is, I think it, it is supposed to be more of a muscle to the movement that uh, one would see if singeing things. Um, uh, you you start, uh, you know, the Rashi says, he starts moving to get up, but he, no, 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 come on, I don't want to do it. Right? This, so this is one of these things, by the way, I'll just note that I, I don't know if it's, it's, uh, if it's like a essential to tefillah, in other words, if it has something to do with how one should approach davening. Is it like taking three steps back before Shemonesre? Or... Actually, uh, exactly what I might uh, compare it to, or is it a Daracharitz thing? In which case, it could be entirely subjective because you know, in our, for example, in Western society, the the idea of insistent refusal is very. We don't really do that. Like, if we want something, we say, "Yeah, sure, thanks." And if we we don't usually, you know, I I've read that in Iran, in Persian society in particular, it is terribly rude to not ref- like you're supposed to refuse many times over when anything is offered to you uh, and I don't know if this is like that is it just like a hilchas derechet like, we, we don't do that that's not part of our culture at all we don't, we don't think like that so I'm not sure uh, I'm not sure exactly if, how to view 
this set of halachas. We don't find that people are very makbar on this. You know, plenty of people yes in the dab and they go right up. Especially here when we're five or ten minutes late. It's seven forty. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. 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 Right. Mahaviv Shlishis, and the third time already, Paishas Yadavayyarid, he should stretch out his legs and go. Davin for the young. Tanabon. Shaloisha, there are three things which Ruban Kasha, Umiyutan Yafa. Too much of them is no good, but a little bit is a good thing. The Eiluhain, what are they? Si'ar, a little bit of. Uh, starter in your dough to make it sourdough. Umelach, um, or a little bit of sourdough to be quite co- very accurate. A little bit of sourdough in your dough. Umelach and salt. The sarvanos and the trait of refusing. Again, and I think we're referring to kind of like this social norm of refusing things. You shouldn't be annoying. You shouldn't refuse to accept anything good that's ever offered to you. And you should always have this kind of polite, ref- this attitude of polite refusal. Okay. Tanarabana. I'm sorry. Amravuna. If somebody makes a mistake in the first three brachis, he goes back to the beginning. If he makes a mistake in the middle brachis, in the middle brachis, then he goes back to atachaynin. And finally, if he makes a mistake in the last few brachis, then he should go back to uh, to Ritzay. Rav Asi, Rav Asi disagrees. Rav Asi says, What does that mean? Rav Asi explains that if you make a mistake, and uh, you skip one of the brachas, and then you, you know, you're a few more brachas, and you say, I give out, I didn't say baruch aleinu. You know, so you say baruch aleinu right then, Ravasi holds, it's no big deal, you don't have to say things in any specific order, at least when it comes to the, that internal unit of the middle brachas. Mazar Rav our Mishnah says, Mehechanu chayzer, Correct. Okay, same idea. From where does the replacement uh, second string uh, Baltvila pick up from? It says the Gemara, he picks up. So we're, we seem to be missing some words here. And my old Gemara that I used to prepare at home, the this is noted right next to Rashi actually because they really draw it from Rashi, and here they put ring on the side. So at this point, the Gemara should really say something like Tiyufta de Rav Asi. The Rav Asi is clearly wrong. Because Rav Asi was the one who says that the order doesn't matter at all. That the order doesn't matter at all. Um, so you could just insert the bracha wherever. So why should I go back to the Tchilas HaBracha? Let's say I forgot, the fellow forgot uh, Baruch Aleinu. So he, we go back to Baruch Aleinu and, and, and by now we're in Valam Balshina. So you got to go all the way back to Baruch Aleinu. And, and repeat all the brachas in between. But why can't you just insert Baruch Aleinu right here and continue to Al Tzadikim? According to Ravasi. Okay, so Ravasi is done. Well, clearly Ravasi is mistaken. Or clearly Ravasi, I should say, is not in accordance with the Mishnah. So we're not going to rule like Ravasi. So what then? So says the Gemara, 
Lema, again, they insert the words Lema to have a Tiyufta Diravhuna. Let it be the Tiyufta Diravhuna. How is it going to be a Tiyufta Diravhuna? How is it going to prove Ravhuna wrong? Because Ravhuna claimed that Ta Bishalish Rishayna is Chayzul That if you make a mistake in, in Atakadosh, right, then you go back to Avais. You go back to, to the first Bracha. But it would seem that you don't have to do that. The, the Mishnah made a, didn't, didn't make that. The Mishnah made a very general statement that says, that you can uh, get away with merely returning to the bracha in which the trouble started. You shouldn't have to restart. The first three brachas, for this purpose, really just count as one. They really just count as one. And when the Mishnah says, you go back to, uh, to the bracha, the person made a mistake in, to the bracha, the person made a mistake in, that means that you would go back all the way to the beginning. The first three brahmas or the middle sections? Like mm-hmm. No, I'm sorry. No, I'm sorry. Totally misspoke. We hold in reality that the first three brahmas are like one brah. Yeah, you're right. We're talking about the middle brahmas. Talking about the middle brahmas, yeah. Talking about the Mo'brachas, and that would mean that you're going to have to roll back to like he says. Right, right. Yeah, my mistake. Right. Rav says that always, forever, at no time, should a person request. Never, ever should a person request his needs. They don't belong in the first three brachas or the last three brachas, right? Not the last three. Elikai Nitzar is not a bracha. But the last three, right? Simshal, Imoidim, and Avoidim, we're saying. You shouldn't make personal requests then. You should insert them in the middle. In the first three brachas, you're kind of uh, beginning with the the titles, right? You're 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 referring to Hashem's strength and His power, etc. His kedusha. It's not appropriate to stick in a request over there. That's a little too hasty. You shouldn't be putting in requests. So that's the first step, right? Um, the middle ones are indeed uh, comparable to the slave who is asking. He's requesting for some kind of reward, some kind of something from his master. And the end brach is, the attitude is supposed to be that you have received that reward, and and you and now he's leaving. In other words, you're kind of wrapping things up. So you again, you don't uh, request don't belong there either. There was one, this one Talmud who went to Dam for the Yamad, and he was getting lengthy. He was taking a long time. It sounds like he was inserting things. He was saying... Uh, he was saying lots of words, personal supplications, maybe. I'm really talking of Rabbeinu Kama Arkan Huzeh. The Talmudim said, this guy takes too long. I'm Lehem Klum Marachesu Maish Rabbeinu. He can't be taking more than Maish Rabbeinu. Tuchsev Bey Esarboim Hayoim Esarboim Halayla. Maish Rabbeinu Tavn for Hashem for 40 days and 40 nights. Tavn to Hashem for 40 days and 40 nights. So that's a very long time. Yeah, yeah sorry. We, we want this guy to go on. <laughs> Shulmai Zubdam Rechon, 
There's this one fellow who's going too fast. What kind of this guy's in a big rush? Can he be possibly uh, davening more shortly than Moshe Rabbeinu? The save, Kel not refund not law. Moshe Rabbeinu's famous four-word tefillah for his sister who was ill. Five-word tefillah. I tell no refund Allah, please heal her now. Okay, I'm Rav Yaakov. I'm Rav Chista. Come back. Ishrach Malchaveri. Ain't Tzarich Laaskir Shmoy. Once we're on this note, Rav Yaakov is the name of Chista. That this is interesting because people are very particular about this. But Rav Yaakov is saying the name of Chista that you don't have to mention the name of a sick person you're davening for. You don't have to mention the name of a sick person you're davening for. You're allowed to say Hakadosh Baruch Hu knows who I'm davening for, and. Uh, there's not a need per se to mention the name Shenemar Kel No Rufan Allah, as we see that Moshe Rabbeinu Dam for his sister without mentioning her name. But like Komatka Shemod Miriam, there's no mention of Miriam's name. Then Rabbanan, Elu Brachay Shadam Sheikhibohen. These are the brachis in which the individual is supposed to bow. So if you don't mention the name, it's assumed Hashem knows who you're talking about. Mm-hmm. It seems like the long standing Minhag Yisrael is to. Mention the name, but that the Gemara is saying that you don't necessarily have to. Okay. Then Rabbanu, Elu Brachis Shadam Sheichibohen. These are the brachis that a person has to bow in. Be'avos Chilavasayif. You bow at the beginning of Avos. Avos the first bracha. You bow at the beginning and end. You bow at the beginning of Maidim and at the end. These are the brachas. If a person wants to uh, bow at the begin at the end of each bracha, every single bracha, nineteen times, with chilas kol bracha, bracha, or at the beginning of each bracha, we say, "Hey, buddy, you shouldn't do that. That's a mistake. Uh, we don't bow so much during the davening." However, what I just told, what we just said, is relevant to a head yite to the average Joe. However, a kain gadol bows at the end of each bracha. And the king bows at the beginning and end of every single bracha. Rashi explains the top Rashi. The greater you are, the more you have to humble yourself. So the more, the more um, the higher you up in the social hierarchy, the more you need to be reminded that you are insignificant in front of the Rebbeinu Shalom. So, I had a slightly different version of Rishu ben Levi's teaching on this. The din, the halacha of a hedyot, of, a, uh, of an average Joe, is is like we just said. He is supposed to do the tchilas kobrachu bracha. So I was troubled by the fact that I don't know why we switched to Tchilas. It seems like the default was for the next tier up of bowing 
was safe. So how do we why do we switch the tchilas? And I see now, I don't think I noticed this in the, my old Gemara, but the Goin yes. says on the side, the right, what do you so. say? Right, just say tchila v'soif. Mm-hmm. Right, tchila v'soif. That, that in other words, he's he's um, he's trying to up he's trying to up the Kain Gadol and the king one level, mm-hmm. trying to bump them up a level of intensity. So the Kain Gadol bows at the beginning and end of each bracha. And Hamelech came in Shekara Shuv The king, once he bends his knees, he does not stand up. Now, Shenemar by Hikachlei Shmuel Lispal, Kam Milfnei Mizbach Hashem, in Korea Alberkov. And it was when Shleimah Hamelech finished davening, he got up from the Mizbeach, from the altar, from where he had been kneeling on his knees. So, Something that I, I actually have never really figured out, and I'm sure that enough time spent on it would help me figure it out. Maybe we'll figure it out together. When we talk about, when the Gemara talks about bending of knees of this sort, presumably it means actually getting into a kneeling position. I would think like, like the Muslims do. The king, it sounds like, if we if the Pasuk is any anything to work off of, it doesn't mean just this kind of perfunctory bending of the knees that we do when we start Shemayinaz, right? It rather means that the king would actually dive in, in a kneeling position. The Gemara doesn't say anything about uh, about our practice that we do, for example, at the um, at the beginning of Shemayinaz, right, where we bend our knees and then bow. We don't kneel. We don't actually go down to the floor. It sounds like the king would start, he would bend his knees, go down to his knees, and stay there. Um, throughout the entire Shemayinasri. So, I wonder. Quick. Did, didn't yeah, go previously on. sort of compare the, the spinal column to the 18 thing, eighteen bones that should all be bent? When one, one yeah. bows, there are eight, the mm. 18. You weren't here. Yeah. The 18, we, we didn't did have it. anyone who we could talk to about anatomy. Yeah. You abandoned us, but but um and but well, Stan came to the rescue with terminology articles. Yeah. <laughs> no, there's seven cervical and twelve vertebrae, yeah. so it's pretty close to eighteen. It actually makes room for the extra one, nineteen. Well, it works out well. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's what we were talking about at the time. Actually, I actually just reviewed that. Da. Um, yeah, that's that's the that is the position. You're getting mm. into when you yeah. do bow. I wonder how the king. There was something else, and the, the, another opinion the Gemara says, actually, you're a keisar, right? There has to be this. You should be so bent over that there's like an isar of flesh. And I remember, mm. in other words, that there are there are two folds. The stomach mm. kind of turns into a like your stomach folds over, mm. like you're basically almost mm. like in a in at a you pass a 90 degree angle, mm. and. To me, I said that doesn't—that that almost doesn't make sense unless the person's comfortably on the ground. Otherwise, he's going to mm-hmm. topple over. Mm-hmm. So I'm—I—I I, I would love to know, at, you know, how our yeah. current practice evolved. I don't want to get lost mm-hmm. in it, but if someone says something quickly, I'll—I'll I'll share it. That's how it is that our current practice became the practice. The rushes are not very thick on the ground over here. Take a quick, quick look. No, no comment. No comment. Okay. 
Alright. Nothing going on. Okay. So. Now the Gemara is going to give us a little glossary. Keda, or Kida, Alapayim. A word, Vatikoi, the word, or the word Keda, that root, means on bowing down on one's face. What does that mean? Shenema Vatikoi Basheva, as the Pasuk describes, Basheva bowed down, at the beginning of Malachim, Basheva bows down. David is old and dying, and they come in to tell him, I think, that Adonio was rebelling. So Basheva bows down, Apayim Eretz. Uh, with her face to the ground. Kuriya Abrahim, Kuriya Abrahim, Shenemar Mikroya Abrahav. Kneeling is on your knees. Shenemar Mikroya Abrahav, the passage we said earlier. Hishtachavo zu pishut yodayim v'reglayim. When someone does hishtachavo, when they bow down totally, that is something which we don't really see. We don't practice this today, where a person lies down totally vertically without uh, lifting his body in any way. In other words, he's trying to make himself totally insignificant in front of the person who he is, or the God, ideally, who he is making obeisance to. Shenemar, as the Pazik says, we learned it a few weeks ago, So Yaakov tells off Yosef for his dreams, and says, hey buddy, you really think that I and your mother and your brothers are going to come to prostrate ourselves to you Artsa, on the ground right, so obviously it involves stretching oneself out on the ground so it's a little difficult to, to figure out what tefillah they were doing but um, apparently Rashi says when they would fall on their faces when they would do nefilas apayim they wouldn't. I don't think it means tachanon. I think it means when they would get to a. Uh, maybe it means on uh, on Yom Kippur. I don't know. So he noticed that they would be matan al tzidehim. They would kind of lean on their sides. They didn't like to totally stretch out, because to totally stretch out would be a violation. Would be a. Would not be. Um, the correct thing to do for whatever reason. One of the pshatim I saw is that maybe they had stone floors. We know that Allah is that we don't do, when we're not in the base of Mikdash, we don't do Pishut Yodayim V'Raglayim. We don't do Ishtach Avoya on a, in a place where, the, where there's a stone floor. Because we don't want to look like we're bowing down to something called an Evan Maskis, which was a common form of worship. Where they would have these kind of stone patterns or something on the floor, and you would, one would uh, prostrate themselves on them or over them. Yeah, they refer to Rashi on Tanis, which says if they bow down properly, they'll be subject to ridicule if their prayers aren't answered. Hmm, that's very interesting. On in reference to Bayan Rava? Yeah, in in re- in reference, to, yeah, to Matsli. Uh, Matsli, yeah. Matsli, yeah. But he is talking about Tachman at that point. Rashi there is talking about Tachman. Mm-hmm. So maybe here too he's talking about Tachman. It's too dramatic. You gotta roll it back. You gotta mm-hmm. calm down. Mm-hmm. Okay. Tani Chada says the Gemara. Somebody who bends his knees and kneels during Moedim, Harezim Meshubach. That's a good thing to do. 
then we have a different that says it's silly, it's not, it's not a correct thing to do. What's the answer? Like Kasha, Rashi says, at the beginning, you bend your knees. If you don't, that's the exact opposite of what we do. Um, and I suspect that perhaps the Rishonim we follow in this learn the opposite way around in this Gemara. So, I'm sorry, I skipped the word. Rava would bend his knees both at the beginning and the end. What are you doing? This doesn't make any sense. What are you doing over here? So, it's interesting. It's an interesting turn of phrase. He says, "I saw Rav Nachman kneel, and I saw Rav Sheshes do this." Instead of saying "Chazinu Rav Sheshes or Rav Nachman the Kaavdi Hachi," or "Chazinu Rav Sheshes or Rav Nachman the Kari," so for some reason, Yomara kind of sets it up in an odd, an odd formulation. I, I don't. I wasn't. I didn't find anyone saying anything about it, so I assume that it's just kind of a, that was the turn of phrase, but. This is what I saw, says Rava, so I do like what I saw. Don't you know? There's a bracelet that says that you're not supposed to bend your knees during Maidim. That's a reference to to the Haidah, which takes place during how and you said when you say you're not supposed to be bending your knees down. oh I didn't know that I wouldn't have thought I was supposed to you're right because you're not supposed to what are you going to do about this Bryson he who bends his knees at and at of now now what trick are you going to pull that's talking about it's talking about this, the second paragraph of Birchas Amazin, don't get carried away. I think the right says you don't bow at Modium when it's the repetition. Mm. That's, what the oh, that's interesting. Mm. When it's the repetition. Modium mm. Durabanam. Ah, okay. Armini gets to bow Modium Durabanam. Okay. Hamispal Vita Simon Radloy. Somebody who davens for the Yamid and makes a mistake, Simon Raloi. It's a bad sign. It's a bad sign. And even worse, if he's the if he's the if he's the chazan, so it's a uh, it's a bad sign for the people who sent him. Because of the principle of that someone's agent is like him. So who was like a real a real balnisim. He was a real Wunder Rabbiner. So he would uh, daven for sick people, and he would predict who was going to survive their, their illness. How, are you, how do you know? If my tefillah flows well in my mouth, I know that it's been received. But if that doesn't happen, then I know we're in trouble. I know we're in trouble. Rashi explains that if I find that my words flow easily and the and the requests, the descriptions, the the 
the, the things that I want to say come out smoothly, that means I'll be answered. That means I'll be answered. Okay. So this is Gemara Ahayim. Who are we referring to? Who are we referring to? Well, I should say, what are we referring to? Um, which bracha is considered a bad sign? It seems like there was evident to the Gemara that it's not anywhere in the Shemayin Asher. There's got to be some direction. So what is this? I'm Rav Safra, Mishim Chad the Bey Rabbi. Rav Safra says in the name of somebody from Bey Rabbi, somebody from the base manager of Rabbi, the Avais. We're talking about someone who makes a mistake in the very first bracha, Avais. Make a mistake in the very first bracha. It's quite unusual. The first bracha is something everyone remembers. So if a person makes a mistake there, that's a simon rap. It means perhaps that he is in the hands of a force uh, greater than himself. Okay. Igadamasila Brysa there. Those who take the statement of Rav Safra and they apply it to some a different Brysa. Somebody who davens. He needs to have Kavana throughout the entire Shemaynas, right? But if he can't do that, he should have kavana for the first one. Ahaya. So what's this referring to? If there's one bracha uh, that you should have kavana at, it should be the first one, the bracha of avos. That's the minimum requirement for kavana. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, it says the Gemara. Amru Allah Rabbi Hanina. This story about Rabbi Hanina that he had this ability to tell based on the flow of his tefillah who was going to uh, do well and who wasn't. So, from where did Rabbi Hanina ben Dyson know to uh, observe the nature of the flow of his tefillah and make conclusions about whether or not it would be accepted? Amru Bishub ben Levi. He who creates, who he who created the the fluttering, the movement of lips, right? So shalom, shalom, peace far and near. Says Hashem, and I have healed him. So we see that there's this concept of uh, a connection between the healing of the sick and the movement of the lips. Um, Rashi says when the movement of the lips is healthy, then the person, uh, the person can assume that there's good news on the way. So if there's unsuccessful movement of the lips, then we know we have a problem. Amr Rabbi says in the name of Rabbi all the prophets, and what that means is that all the prophets throughout history, when they talked about the wonders of heaven, the wonders, of the good things that await people who do mitzvahs, all that is only referring to somebody who simply attaches himself to a tamar chacham. He marries his daughter to a tamar chacham. He does business with a tamar chacham. He gives gifts to the Tamil Chacham. 
Ayin lo yirasa lo kimzu lasecha. The pasuk says, Ayin lo yirasa lo kimzu. Excuse me, zulascha yasa lemchakein loy. Somebody who has that, or someone who is totally engaged in learning and has this direct connection to Hakadosh Baruch Hu. So Ayin lo yirasa. The no, no, right? No eye, no prophetic eye has seen the extent of the reward that waits for a genuine Talmud Chacham. May we all merit to be genuine Talmud Chacham. Uh, a different angle. Rukhiya Bar Abba says, all the Nevi'im, all the great things they describe in the future happening in our, in, in our world, that's a reference to Limois HaMashiach. Again, Ayin Lirosa Likim Zulascha. When it comes to the, what, the kind of the end of times, to the ultimate Tikkun, the ultimate perfect state the world will arrive at, that's something we can't even begin to understand. And he disagrees with Shmuel. Shmuel says, no, is not what's being described. The wondrous, miraculous world that's described by the prophets of the, the, the wolf lying down with the sheep, etc., um, that is what we refer to when we talk about the end of days, and the times of Mashiach will look very much like our times. There just will not be all this unpleasant persecution of Jews. So we're not there yet. Okay, Sandra was wondering. In other words, it'll be normal life, except that we'll be we'll have control over our our own destiny. Right, we're not going to reach yet that perfect state in which there is no no rich and no poor and everyone's on the same footing. That's not a state that we're going to be able to achieve on our own. says that all the Nevi'im in history, all the beautiful things they were talking about, that's the reward for Bali Tshuva, for us regular folks. Right, who uh, we do averis, we fall, we get up, we fall, we get up. Right, it doesn't mean bali tshuva people who were born not religious and now they're religious. It means bali tshuva. It means the average, average, normal human beings that uh, that fall and sin, and then we we try to improve ourselves. So if we manage to improve ourselves, so all the nice reward, all the beautiful things that Nevi'im talk about, that's what we get. Our tzaddikim gemurim, someone who's a tzaddik gomer. Tzaddik gomer is a very elevated concept. Somebody who is like not touched by sin, you know. So Ayin Lirasa Halakim Zulascha. Again, no one has ever seen the extent of the reward that awaits a true Tzadigom or somebody who never, uh, never ever sins with somebody who is an absolutely righteous person. Upliga Deravo. He disagrees with Deravo. Damravo. This is a, the more famous uh, statement on this matter. Makim Shabali Chuva Aimdin Tzadikim Gemurim Einam Aimdin. The place where uh, us average Joes who uh, do our best and try to improve ourselves, the place we occupy is greater even than the exalted spot of tzaddikim gemurim, of per- perfect tzaddikim. Shenema shalim shalim l'rochek u'lekarev. The same passage we've been referring to, the, the same passage we referred to earlier, I should say, uh, Yeshaya says that the peace is called out the one who's far away is mentioned first is mentioned first
It's a good raya, so what's Rabbi Yechon going to do with it? Rabbi Yechon has to read this Pasuk also. So how can he say that the Balchuva, the average Joe, is inferior to the perfect Tzadim? Rabbi Yechon, Amal Lechal, Mai Rochek, Shahaya Rochek, Midvara, Veira, Meikara. What does it mean, Rochek? What does far away mean? Shahaya Rochek, Midvara, Veira, Meikara. The person who was always far away from Averis. That's the nature of the Tzadik. He doesn't have this... He has, he has his Yitzhahara defeated to a certain extent. My Karev Shei Karev Ledvar Aveira Ben Israchi Umenu Hashtan. Karev refers to the person who was close to sinning, a normal human being, and became distanced from it. Okay, that's the opinion of Rabbi Yechim. So Rav Avo is a big radical. He's like a Hasidish Rebbe. He says, no. He says, well, these big tzaddikim, what do we need big tzaddikim for? The Bali Tshuva is what we're here for. Okay. My ayin leirasa. What's the meaning of this part of the pasuk? Ayin leirasa. The eye is not seen. What is what is this thing that we've never seen? That we're that that, that what is this great reward that that's just undescribable? Amri Shuv and Levi zayayin hameshumar ba'anova misheches yimei bereshes. I can assure you with great confidence that Shuv and Levi is not talking about grapes and wine. This is something called the yayin hameshumar. Um. It is referenced in the, if I'm not mistaken, in the Gemara about the Suda that Hashem will make for the Tzadikim at the end of time, and the flesh of the Levias and all that stuff. There's some wine that has been preserved in its grapes from the beginning of time. So that's obviously, quite obviously, some kind of mashal. Rabbi Shmuel ben Achmeni, Omar Shmuel ben Achmeni says, Ze Eden. This is Eden, the place called Eden. No living thing has ever set eyes on Eden. Right? Where did on the Marishan live? Well, he lived in Gan Eden, in the, in the Garden of Eden. Who Gan? Who Eden, right? We would assume that's the same place. The garden was the Garden of Eden, but it was connected somehow to a place. It was the Garden of Eden, but it was connected to some perhaps larger place called Eden. And that is what we've been refer- what what uh, he is referring to. It's something else, something that we've we haven't contemplated yet. Okay. Um, in other words, that the Gan Eden was some kind of, uh, some kind of, perhaps it was a sort of Elam Hazel, which is closer to Elam Abba. And Eden is Elam Abba itself. Yeah, I hear that. I hear that, but I mean, it doesn't, in other words, it, it becomes circular, because what we've been trying mm. to say is that Elam Abba, right, this is... Right, well, what's, yeah. uh, so uh, this is Elm Haba. Well, what is it? Elm Haba. Well, yes, that we knew. <laughs> the question is, what is that? Mm-hmm. So we have a little more of a clue. Shmuel Rachman tells us that it is Aden, but yeah, again, the Marsha is not going to help us. Mm-hmm. He, he, if he knew, he's not going to share that with us, what it <laughs> means to be Aden. You know, if you read the Marsha's uh, commentary on these sorts of Gemars, which there's lots of in Brachas, you realize that the Marsha, besides being a master Talmudist, was a very great mystic. And I am fairly certain, though I'm no expert, uh, it seems pretty clear to me that the Marsha was a, also a fairly strict Maimonidean, um, which is not 
contrary to popular belief, it's not at all inconsistent with being attached to the Kabbalah and the mysticism. There, certainly in the early in the mysticism of the Ari in its early stages and in many of its current manifestations is absolutely compatible with uh, with uh, Rambam's thought and in many cases is, is heavily based on it. The universe of terms tends to confuse people into thinking, you know, because if you if you take things literally, you start, you know, thinking that there are uh, uh, actual worlds of, uh, you know, in other words, physical places where there are all these shining lights and, you know, you get a little confused and you think that, there's, that these people are living in, in dream world, that they think that there's a whole... Uh, I always used to say, if you drive far enough down the New Jersey Turnpike, then you'll find El Haba there somewhere. Like it's like the, one of the many places a person can go to is the, the place with the flying angels and the flashing lights, and the spheres and the Adam Kadmon. And the, no one really, anyone who thinks that is probably a kaifer. Heretic. Don't burn him at the stake. Now we'll just ostracize them from the community. Never talk to them again. <laughs> we're not. We're not Catholics. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Okay. Well, that's been recorded, you know. <laughs> 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 um, well, caveat emptor. Um, anyway, yeah, Marshall's a good read. It's worth looking at whenever we have Gemars like this. Good, take a look. Son became ill. So he sent two to the great. Uh, the great miracle worker Rabbi Rechanim ben Daisel please daven for him came in Shiroisam as soon as he saw them he knew what they were coming for small world he went upstairs to the attic and went to daven for the son go home you're okay he didn't even talk to him right? he didn't even he said just go home the, the heat Chama usually means the sun here it means uh, the heat, the fever, has left him. His fever broke, and he's going to recover. <laughs> it sounds like they were skeptical. It sounds like they didn't appreciate it. The feeling I got from this story is that there were people, they, they were rolling their eyes. They were like, oh, Gamil sending us to the magic rabbi, great, right? They said, are you a prophet? How are you supposed to know that? It almost sounds like disrespectful the way they spoke to him. So he says to them, gently, I am neither a prophet nor the son of a prophet. I have the following tradition. If my my prayers flow nicely, just like he said in the mission, then I know it's been accepted. So, again, I think these guys are skeptics. Yashvu v'kasvu v'kivnu oisa, they're men after my own heart. Yashvu v'kasvu v'kivnu oisa They sat down right there and then they wrote down. They said, okay, it was 3 o'clock in the afternoon. He said the following words to us, right? Then they get on their horses and they go back to Rabbi Gamliel. Shabo oisa Rabbi Gamliel, amr lahen ha'avoida. Rabbi Gamliel says, I swear, right, ha'avoida is referenced to avoida in the base. I make this type of oath. Loi chasartem v'loi hoisartem. You're not one minute off. His fever broke. And he asked us for water. So Rebchanina Mendeis's method was clearly quite effective. He went to study by Rebchanina Mendeis. And his son became ill. So his rabbi, Rebchanina Mendeis, says, Please, daven for him. 
Ve'yichya, and he will live. He'niach reishah bein birkov, he put his head between his knees. It sounds like he was, uh, to borrow a phrase from the 70s, tripping out. He he was trying to get into a different state of consciousness. Ubi'kashal avrachamim, and he, um, and he, Asked for mercy, v'chaya, and he and he uh, lived. Amrich menzakai ilmalei hitiach menzakai es reishu bein brachav kol hayoyim kuloi kuloi kol hayoyim kuloi lo hayom ashkichan alav. So Yechem menzakai says, I could have stuck my head between my knees all day, and nobody would care. I'm not that. I don't have this power of davening. There, chinir ben dais asked. So Amrlei ishtai. So his wife says to him, chichanina gadol mucha. She's starting to pot a little over here, and she says. Is, was Hanina, is Hanina greater than you? Aren't you? And, and it's a problem, right? It is a problem because he's the Rebbe. And Hanina is the Talmud. So she's, what? She's the wife of the Rebbe. She wants to make sure. <laughs> that's right. That's right. So she explain, he explains to her, no. I'm a little off. No, of course. I'm his Rebbe. He's the Talmud. Even though my, my stature relative to HaKadosh Baruch, whatever that means, but my stature is. is Greater, he's only like a servant. I'm like a minister. He's like a servant. But Rashi explains a servant has a particular power, which is that the servant can walk into any room in the palace without knocking. Well, probably has to knock, but without without making an appointment. A sire and the minister of defense, when he wants to see the king, he has to make an appointment. But the servant, he doesn't. He's here to clean the. He's here to clean the floors. He's here to to, to wash the windows. So the fact that he hasn't made an appointment is no problem. So he has a certain access which I just don't have. It's a person we had this gemara, a similar gemara earlier. You should only daven in a place that has windows. In Daniel's special davening room, Daniel had a little shtibel, and in his shtibel there were windows. Legit Yerushalayim, which faced Jerusalem. I don't like. I'm I'm unhappy with people. I find them chutzpahdik. People who daven out in the open in a valley. You should daven in a room. You should daven in a place where you don't don't, don't go davening shpornesri out in the uh, out on the dish. You gotta focus yourself. You gotta kind of box yourself in, and that kind of enhances your ability to uh, focus and to get into the correct frame of mind. I don't like people who confess their sins loudly in public. Right? We are not evangelical. It's not the correct thing to announce your sins. You should instead, privately, quietly confess them and do tshuva. Uh,